Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. Some weeks, frankly, are just slow news weeks. You know, there's stuff happening, but it's a lot of repeat of the same and kind of old news. And uh, this week, though, you know, was was a little different, was a little different than that. Um, to say the least, it has been a wild week for everyone, wild. I think, across the country. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you work in the world of news, especially, it has just been really incredible. I mean, this is this is a week that, quite frankly, we've been waiting for, the pro-life movement has been waiting for, for 50 years. It's a huge deal. Uh, and so we're really excited today to dive in and talk about some of the details of what is happening, what on earth is going on with Roe. Um, and here with us to help us do that is Janae Strackey, Heritage Action for America's Grassroots Director and the host of the podcast On Air with Heritage Action. Janae, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And you're right, this is a, a wild ride, but we, in D.C. we've learned to expect the unexpected. Uh, so even though we we never uh, thought that this, was, this opinion was going to be leaked and most of us were expecting a decision to come late June, this is actually really exciting news, yeah. and it is unfortunate <laughs> that it came out the way that it did, and there are still a lot of variables, which I know we're going to dig into, mm-hmm. um, but I think the, the pro-life movement and conservative, conservatives everywhere, and, and I should even say even non-conservatives yeah. who are pro-life are heartened by, by what uh, came out. I think as conservatives, we're almost not even used to good news. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Especially recently. It's always we're been always like, just bracing ourselves for the bad yeah. news. Yeah. So it's always been censored, you know, <laughs> that's all, all of it. But so I think just to have like hope. And yeah. I mean, obviously, every day we have hope right. and our hope comes from the Lord. But yeah. just like a little bit of like actual political hope. Right. And mm-hmm. that, yeah, this is a fruit of our labor, right? Virginia, yeah. you said it. This has been decades long, 50 year fight um, that, you know, Americans have, have known. We, we've known what's taking place in yeah. our country and, and, and that uh, blood is on um, many people's hands and, you know, over 60 million lives that have been lost. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if anybody's been paying attention to the news and, and I should, well, I should say maybe <laughs> those of you who are really tuned into the pro-life movement, because unfortunately corporate media doesn't talk about some of these things because they're not comfortable topics to talk about. But uh, just in D.C. a couple weeks ago, uh, there were some baby bodies discovered outside of a Planned Parenthood. And, and this might be graphic for our listeners, but they were fully intact baby bodies. And it is incredibly heartbreaking, but I think important and powerful for Americans to see some of those really horrible images because it, it, it makes it brings it more uh, it's more realistic. Yeah. Th- this is actually what's happening. It's not just something that we talk about. It's not just a choice. It's mm-hmm. a life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a really critical moment in history. Um, and we're excited today to just kind of dive in and talk about yeah. this and talk about this moment. So Lauren, go ahead and let us know what we have queued up on today's show. Up on today's Problematic Women, we explain what is going on with Roe versus Wade, has it been overturned, and why is leaking a draft opinion a big deal anyways? Plus, abortion laws will now return to the states if Roe is reversed. We break down what that means. And with all this craziness, with all this news, tensions are high in the country, even tensions between 
friends. So we talk about our personal experiences and how should you interact with your friends who might not agree with you on the issue of abortion. And as always, we'll crown our Problematic Woman of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort the news to find stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are so often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it. As we've already alluded to pretty heavily in the (laughs) intro, history was made on Monday night. And, I mean, for me, I was completely shocked. Like, sitting on my couch, just like on my phone like I am every day after work, you know, like hunched over, and I get a text message to be like, uh, was Roe just overturned? Question mark. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so, I mean, were you guys shocked? Do you see this coming? Or And what were you doing on Monday night when you heard? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I was surprised, although I have to say it was a little reminiscent of a different topic, but connected a little reminiscent of when Justice Scalia passed away. Mm. I still remember that night very vividly and getting the news and that like the tailspin that that sent everyone mm. into. Mm. Uh, and the reason I bring that up is because it, it did have kind of a similar feeling to me of like news you weren't expecting mm. that felt like there was a lot on the line. And that when Justice Scalia passed away, uh, I think a lot of people were concerned about decades of work and what that would mean if we um, didn't if we got judicial activists on the court instead of constitutionalists. And because Barack Obama was president at the time. Correct. Correct. So we didn't know what we were going mm. to get. Uh, now, fast forward and President Trump wins the election. Everyone is also shocked. Again, theme here. People are shocked by the news coming out of D.C. And we we had the opportunity to um, confirm three new justices to the Supreme Court, which honestly is is pretty crazy. That was all in one term. And, and really, the work that people all across the country did encouraging their senators to confirm those people is what led us to this moment. So I, I'm off track here. But yeah, I, I was surprised to get that news. But like I said in the opening, I've I've come to expect the unexpected. I had been out for a walk. I'd actually just met some of my new neighbors, some some conservatives, (laughs) some liberal, and all very friendly, though. And then this news broke and my phone was blowing up and was like, (laughs) oh, my goodness, is this real? What's happening? Yeah. No, I was doing like my last like phone check before like turning in for the night and going to bed. I'd had a late dinner. It was like watching a show. And then, like, your mind just starts going, like, you're in work mode. And you're like, okay, I'm texting my boss, like, hey, how are we responding? What are we doing? And then you're just like, okay, we're, we're in it. We're going. I guess I'm not going to bed anytime soon. So. But definitely, like, at the same time, you're kind of getting this, like, you know, work adrenaline rush of, like, okay, we're, we're all in. We're going. But also, it's just like, whoa, taking that step back of, like we said, like, we've been waiting for this for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I – Probably 10 years ago, if you had asked me, will Roe v. Wade be overturned in your lifetime? I'd be like, eh, I don't think so. So it's incredible that we're seeing this. And I think we're seeing it a lot faster than a lot of the pro-life movement thought. Um, Obviously, we all hoped and prayed it would happen Mm -hmm. quickly. 
Um, and gosh, it has yeah, been 50 I think, years. I think a lot of people were bracing themselves for bad news. A lot of people were incredibly optimistic after oral arguments, mm-hmm. but nothing is final till it's final, exactly. um, which is actually still the case. Mm-hmm. It's not final. Yeah, well, it was helpful for me um, to kind of hear a little bit more of the details of, of the court and, and how it works. So after, after the Supreme Court hears an argument, they actually make the decision of how they're going to rule all the justices do really within several days after hearing the arguments. And then they kind of divvy up almost like a group project at school. Not quite, (laughs) but like who's going to do which part? So someone is assigned to write the um, the majority opinion. Someone else says, I'll write the dissent. I don't exactly know how those roles are assigned or people volunteer if justices volunteer. Um, But it's literally months and months of writing. And so these opinions are, are decided long before the public knows the outcome. And that's uh, though the, the reason why the public doesn't know the outcome is you don't want justices being swayed by the court of public opinion. That's one of the reasons why justices aren't elected. They're appointed for life because we don't want them holding to certain um, beliefs or views just because that's what's popular with people. We want them to hold to what the Constitution says. Uh, so it's really critical for the integrity of the court to keep keep everything under wraps until those formal opinions come out. And uh, the, the opinions can change, right? And the opinions can so change, the yeah. conservatives read the, the liberal response, the mm-hmm. liberals read the conservatives' response, and maybe it'll change their minds. Exactly. Or maybe they write a stronger argument based off what they hear. Yeah. And so that's one of the theories for why this opinion was leaked um, is because, okay, for kind of a, a last-ditch effort maybe to try and persuade some of these conservative justices uh, to essentially keep keep row. What, what have you all heard from, from this leak, from why maybe um, it, was, it was released? Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, theories and accusations, of course, rolling around out there. So if, if anyone's on on Twitter, you can find all those different, <laughs> all the different opinions and threads. Everyone has a hot take. Everyone has a hot take. That's right. But the reality is that we don't know. But what we do know is that this was an unprecedented assault on the court and the integrity of the court. And I, I think it is. I, I know it's really shaking things up in there. I mean, Chief Justice Roberts yesterday did confirm that the leaked opinion was a real draft. So when it first leaked, you know, everybody assumed it was real, but that was a shocking thing. Who would do that? Mm -hmm. Is this real? Well, Chief Justice Roberts did confirm it's a real opinion. uh, It's long, too. It's almost 100 pages. Yeah, it is very long. So, And he's also called for an investigation. Um, Rightfully so. They should figure out who it was. And and, and I hope that there's some sort of... um, Legal action taken because that is a, a really serious thing that what that you know the opinion aside, which is really good news for mm-hmm. the conservative movement the it being leaked is is really bad news for the court, and they need to root that out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially because the Supreme Court seems to be the only branch of government that we have left that actually takes these kind of rules seriously, right the Congress is leaking stuff left and right <laughs> with the right. White House uh, and it really does seem like the Supreme Court justices show a level of respect to one another that we don't see typically in American discourse. Yep. And the fact that this came out, I mean, it is really disgusting. Yep. Even it, like, And I think even it had a conservative 
person leaked this, the conservative response would still be, this is disgusting mm-hmm. because we, we need to protect this institution. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I, I said this yesterday. Nothing has changed, right? If mm. this was the opinion, it was going to come out two months from now. For sure. Like at some sometime around the end of June, this decision was going to be made. Uh, and so th- as far as the opinion goes, this doesn't really change. But the fact that it was leaked, as you just said, regardless of who did it, it was not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and the opinion itself was written by Justice Samuel Alito. And I spoke with um, I've, I've been speaking with a few different attorneys just on their thoughts and takes. And what I'm hearing from all of them is it is an incredibly well-researched opinion uh, and really isn't um, isn't written just to have, like, nice little sound bites. Um, but, of course, in the news, we all find the little sound bites within in a, a Supreme Court opinion. Um, so I want to just share a couple of the statements that, uh, that Alito wrote in this opinion. So he writes, we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. Alito describes Roe. As an abuse of judicial authority, he says Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak, and the decision has had damaging consequences. And far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue, Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deepened division. And it's like, wow, he's absolutely (laughs) right on that. Like, we have all been out at the Supreme Court within the past 48 hours and that's exactly what we've seen. We've seen this deep division within the country on the issue of abortion. Yeah, I, it is. It's a, a deep division because it's so emotionally charged. Yeah. It's so personal. Like it. It's also, if I might say, it's a very kind of demonic fight, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about whether it's okay to kill babies or not. Yeah. And currently inside and outside the womb, because we have seen several states um, put forward legislation uh, that's using the language perinatal instead of prenatal, Mm. which would mean perinatal means it could be anywhere from one week to one year after birth. So we have states now that are actually fighting for babies to like make it okay for the mother to neglect and let their child die after it's been born. That is demonic. So this is a very divisive issue because it's it's so serious and it's very emotionally charged. And so there are some people that I think are just I'll use the word evil. And then there are a lot of people that just don't know. They're just on the bandwagon. They just are on the bandwagon. Yep. And this is their right. And it's going to hurt their future. They've been lied to. And that is also heartbreaking. And I and I think evil of the abortion industry who's just trying to make money that are using the lives of these young girls who are, you know, perhaps scared and don't know what to do. And they're being told this is their only option. Mm-hmm. And it's a lie. And it's a lie that conservatives don't want to take care of the baby after that's born. And mm-hmm. saying if we don't want these huge government programs that we don't care about kids, conservatives per capita give more to charity. Conservatives support crisis pregnancy centers. Conservatives support adoption. There's so many people out there waiting for children for that's adoption. Right. And it just drives me nuts when we go at every other sign. Well, A, we got there and their first chant was F Alito, but they were actually saying the word. Someone had a die Clarent sign, which that's so inappropriate. Yeah. So inappropriate. Yeah. And then all the signs were like conservatives are, aren't pro-life once the baby's born. And it just – it's such a false flag argument. Mm-hmm. And this is why it's important 
kind of like with the trans issue that we speak up. We yeah. have to be refuting their arguments because like you said, Janae, there's so many good people who are just brainwashed on this issue because yeah. they hear the same talking point from Teen Vogue, Cosmopolitan, MTV. I mean, all these places that shouldn't be political. They hear these same things over and over and over again. And it's really crept in their, their brains. And, and my colleague called it yesterday at the Supreme Court palpable darkness. <laughs> mm, yes, that's that's a great way of putting it. I mean, I've, I've been outside the Supreme Court for many of these kind of rallies and decisions, and you can you can feel mm. a heaviness in the weight. Even, you know, I was outside the, the steps of the Supreme Court the day Justice Kavanaugh was confirmed. And I mean, the things that were being screamed in my face and the topless women on the steps of the Supreme Court and then trying to pound down the doors. I mean, there is just no sense of civility at all. Um, you know, you also mentioned that conservatives really do care for the, the child. And that's true. I know so many people that are, are looking to adopt, would love to adopt. Um, Making Others Our Own is an adoption uh, organization that I, I support and would encourage others to check out as well. But we also care about the woman themselves mm. and the girl themselves. Mm-hmm. Right now, I, I you know, the left doesn't care about it being safe. They've fought against rules and regulations to make it safer for women. And, you know, with chemical abortions now, they FDA has removed tons of um, restrictions around that so that girls are left alone in hotel rooms, sometimes bleeding out, dying from these drugs that are totally not monitored at all by uh, medical supervision. And it's very dangerous for the mother, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, and, and they're being lied to and, and brainwashed into this. And it's it's really heartbreaking to watch. Well, and I think we're at this point in history where it's really important for for everyone in the pro-life movement to kind of be asking the what what's my role question because obviously not everyone can adopt a child right now or maybe not everyone can spend um, you know every Saturday volunteering in a pro-life center um, or give a million dollars to a pro-life center, whatever. But you can probably do something. Um, And I loved, I I had a conversation recently on problematic women with a woman named Eleanor from Boston. And that was really how it kind of began for her. She's worked in the pro-life movement for years. And it was just asking that question of like, oh, wait, this is actually my responsibility too. What am I going to do? And so she's been journeying with moms for Mm decades and going all the way through caring for the baby, caring for the family. Um, so I think there, we kind of need to have that that conversation within ourselves. It's like, okay, what's my role? How am I going to actually be pro-life, not just in my words, but my actions? Um, but Janae, I know you are, you are doing so much work on this issue, really at a state level. Heritage Action for America, which is the Heritage Foundation's grassroots arm, is really uh, out there at the state level, talking with people, talking with Americans, getting a pulse on their views on issues. So I want to ask you to share some of that in just a moment. Um, But first, I want to give you the opportunity just to share briefly about the podcast that you host on air with Heritage Action. Yeah, that's right. So we put this podcast out twice a week, and it is five-ish minutes or less. (laughs) So we, we just want you to have quick updates, what's happening on the Hill this week. It's really... A, a look ahead or a recap on a particular issue. We try to keep it really short so that you can get the information you need on the go. Um, you know, sometimes a, a long form podcast is great when you're driving in, you've got a commute, but if you just need a five minute quick update on what's happening on Capitol Hill, On Air with Heritage Action is your place to go. 
So, Janae, you have a really cool job. Not only do you get to work here at Heritage and learn and talk about important issues to our country, you get to actually work directly with, I'm going to say, true patriots who really care about this country, care about the future of this country, and they're willing to use their time to really push these. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do and the programs that Heritage Action has? Yeah, you're right. I do have a cool job, and I'm so (laughs) grateful. It's what keeps me in D.C., honestly. I always describe myself as the bridge between D.C. and, quote, real America. (laughs) So True Patriots is a great way to describe them. They are sacrificing so much, and they're not paid to do it. They Mm. just really care. They love America. They love God. They love their families. Um, So, yeah, I I get to run uh, what we call Sentinels, uh, Sentinel program, and I've got uh, regional coordinators all across the country um, who are boots in the ground. That is, They are staff that it is their job to identify, recruit, and train Sentinels and keep them up to date. Um, So we have 20,000 Sentinels and 2 million grassroots all across this country that care about what's happening in D.C. and in their states and are fighting to correct laws that need to be corrected, hold their members accountable, encourage them when they're doing the right thing, building relationships with their members so that they can you know, have more strategic activism, that that member knows who's calling them when they get a message from them. Um, so it's really exciting getting to work with them. And I will say there's a lot of work to be done. So if you're not a Sentinel, please join. You can go to heritageaction.com backslash Sentinel uh, to get signed up. And it's really easy. We'll get you connected. You can meet other Sentinels. We we can, uh, you'll get all of our materials. You'll join our weekly call that is essentially a long format. It's a private conversation or long format of uh, the podcast is what I was going to say. But it's a private conversation where we get to say, hey, here's what's happening. These are the deals being made behind closed doors right now. You need to know about this. Um, You need to contact your members today, tomorrow to hold them accountable and make sure they do the right thing. Uh, So, you know, we're talking about pro-life laws. There's a, a lot of work to be done if uh, you know, the opinion that w- was leaked Monday night it, it is is ruled. If nothing changes, this does not make abortion illegal. It pushes it back to the states, which mm-hmm. allows the American people to have this debate with their elected officials, to have this conversation, and finally giving people the voice to put pro-life laws into effect. And we know that that's what America wants. What Heritage Action has done polling that showed 73% of Americans believe an unborn baby is a human being. That's a big number. We're not talking about, you know, this is a divisive uh, issue, as we talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. but it's not the majority of Americans. We're not talking about 51% majority or 52% majority, 73% of Americans know that this is a baby and they support pro-life protections for those babies. There are 13 states currently that have um, laws on the books already. They're conditional laws that will will go into effect or spring into life if Roe is overturned. That's awesome. There are at least 26 states that have some form of protection for babies, but there's more work to be done. So we at Heritage Action have recently started state lobbying mm-hmm. and have, have seen some awesome um, work be done at the state level. And let me tell you guys, 
our system is set up so that change is slow in mm-hmm. D.C., which can sometimes be frustrating, but it's actually good for the mo- minority. Uh, but at the state level, you can get a lot of work done. So I would really encourage all of you to get connected with us, us at Heritage Action and stay up to date on what's happening um, because there is a lot of work to be done and, and this fight is is only going to grow. Yeah, because I think a lot of people think with this Dobbs case that once – if it rules in the conservatives' favor, that okay, abortion's illegal in the United States. That could, <laughs> that is not true. No, <laughs> it is that now each state it's really re- a return to federalism with the issue because mm-hmm. guess what, abortion is not in the Constitution, and so each state has to decide. And so that's what makes Janae's work and the work of the of grassroots around the country. And so Janae, can you kind of break down what it looks like on a day to day with your state activists, and if you could share us any victories that you guys have had on the abortion issue? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, Oklahoma is one of the best, I think, because they have one of the most pro-life laws on the books. They're protecting babies at all stages. Um, so they, in, in the state of Oklahoma, have um, put in protections for babies at, at all stages. And there are exceptions for the life of the mother, um, if that's the case, um, which does happen, but it's also pretty rare. Some of the states that I talked about earlier, Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Missouri, Mississippi, North Dakota, South Dakota just uh, recently uh, passed a new pro-life law. But they also have more work to be done. And and Governor Nome has even said that she will call a special session uh, if if Roe is overturned to – to get this work done. So uh, Texas also has uh, a a six-week – um, pro-life protection on the books. You guys have probably heard about that mm-hmm. law. It's highly litigated um, and it's being fought, but states are, are willing to take on that fight. Um, and I just want to say we're we're really looking forward to having this conversation. It is a, an emotionally charged conversation, but as I said a moment ago, the majority of Americans are, are with us on this, are pro-life, and I really look forward to talking with lawmakers because I think we're on the winning side of this. And I have to say it feels really good to be fighting for someone else. You know, you guys were sharing some stories of signs and chanting happening outside the Supreme Court yesterday. And it's it's really sad because coming from the left who wants to paint themselves as the compassionate side, wants to paint themselves as the side that's fighting for the weakest among us or the minority. And we don't see that in their actions Mm -hmm. at all. They're out there chanting, my body, my choice. And I, I've even seen really blatant things that's like, oh, these these babies are getting in the way of our futures. This, <laughs> I, I hope your tax breaks are worth it because all of these babies are going to ruin people's lives. I mean, how horrible. I, I just can't imagine that we don't get a couple decades down the road from living in a, a pro-life America and not having a generation look back on what we did and be horrified in the way that we're horrified at the Holocaust, that we're horrified at slavery and, and to be embarrassed that that's what we were OK with. I think all of these young girls one day are going to look back and think, 
I can't believe I was a part of that. So it is really encouraging. And I encourage everyone listening to be bold and Mm -hmm. confident in in being pro-life and to lovingly and compassionately share that because you're in the winning side of this. And even if you weren't on the winning side of it, you're on the right side of it. Mm -hmm. We're we're fighting for the weakest among us. And I'm, I'm proud to do that. And Janae, I think that's such a good segue into our last topic that we are on the right side, right? And we should feel confident to stand up and and say what we believe on our social media platforms to our friends. But I think a lot of conservative women don't feel that way. They feel really scared that they're going to receive hate. They're going to end friendships. And I wanted to share on air that uh, on Monday night, I was excited. Uh, I work very closely with the social media team here at Heritage. Our president put out a uh, just a quick tweet about it. It was very well said. It was, I mean, I think really encapsulated how we all felt. I was joking. Every conservative had it, had his post on there. Sorry. <laughs> so I was just, you know, I, I want to promote this. Our social team did a great job, got it out really quick, put it on my story. Within 30 seconds, I got somebody that I've known, like, closely, been to their house, like, for 10 years, said F off and blocked me immediately. Mm. And and so I decided to screenshot that post <laughs> And I, I crossed out their name and um, on all the other personal information. But I just showed like, hey, this is a post from the president of our organization, something I believe in. And this person like literally just blocked me for no reason. And again, I don't want to be like the boomer that's like, and I got 17 Facebook responses. But <laughs> I'm telling you girls, the number of people who reached out to me and said, I feel this all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I am. I have lost so many friends, whether it's because I supported President Trump and I, I'm so scared to lose more friends because especially in this digital age where – and as, as we're getting older, it's hard. You go from college and you have all these close, close groups of friends and then people drift off and then you feel like this is all like a digital kind of relationships. Mm-hmm. And it, it just has really made me think that we need to, A, normalize stating our opinion, right? Because I think the reason why we as conservative women get hate is because people don't see it out there. And B, we need to just – know how to handle these when when it comes and and my advice is really like don't attack back just say appreciate you let me know and i hope to see you soon and really mm-hmm. just kind of make sure that we're really hitting them uh so that i'll get off my soapbox for a minute and i <laughs> and i wanted to ask you girls um women excuse me a problematic women uh do you experience this and and do you have these same fears that you might lose friendships over what you believe yeah, I mean, I I do keep um, a lot of my political views and reporting off of my personal social media accounts. Twitter's different because Twitter's work, essentially. Um, but personal Facebook, um, personal Instagram, I'll, I'll post some stuff um, and post some, you know, pro-life stuff. But it it's amazing how divisive the news can be and i i think there is tremendous um importance in putting those views out there on social media i think i've come to feel like not many productive conversations ever happen Mm -hmm. on social media um and so i i love to when i'm in conversations with people one-on-one i think lauren you were saying how you know kind of bringing it back to um another subject or i i love asking questions like i Mm -hmm. love just like 
okay, so you're, you're pro-choice. So like, when do you think a baby's life does begin? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and okay, so, so when is someone actually human? Like just kind of making people think, um, not in an aggressive or attacking way, but like we were saying, so many people have just hopped on these bandwagons of political views, whether it's pro-choice or something else. And so it's really important to actually like ask people like, Hey, mm-hmm. can you stop and think about mm-hmm. what you're saying and what you actually believe? Um, but Janae, what, what for you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I could echo all of those sentiments. I mean, it, I, I hear the same things from people. I think it, it can be scary or thinking about losing friends. But I, I think that, as I said earlier, when you're doing the right thing, like if people mm. don't want to be your friend because they have a different belief than you, it really exposes their heart more mm. than yours. Mm-hmm. And I would echo the sentiments of responding with compassion and love. And if if they're going to block you and un- not be your friend about that, then they're not willing to have a conversation. And I think you, you don't, you're not obligated to engage. Um, you're not obligated to respond to every comment on your post. You're not obligated to respond to every message you get. So don't feel like you have to engage with someone that's not willing to have a, a fair conversation. But I would encourage everyone to, to still um, post and talk about it and to be bold and know that, um, you know, there's there's going to be some costs fighting for the right thing. But um, I'd also encourage you to like get connected with some groups that you know align mm. with your beliefs so that you don't feel alone in that, whether that's Heritage Action and, and being a sentinel or other pro-life orgs that are incredible. There's Young Women for America, um, Concerned Women for America, Live Action, Students for Life. I mean, I could go on and on at the incredible organizations that are out there that you can surround yourself with like-minded people and you might lose a friend here or there, but I would say they were not really your friend then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and often on online, they're, you know, people you connected with once or maybe haven't seen in a couple decades. And um, those are not the people that are pouring into your day-to-day life anyway. So don't let the naysayers get you down. Stay strong. The last thing I would say on this as well is that I think it's really helpful to not um, just – state, um, a a new law, or uh, what I want to say is that I think it's helpful when we talk about the humanity of the baby. So I'm not, yes, I'm pro-life, and I'll proudly say that, and I think it's okay and great to just boldly say, I'm pro-life, I support this. But also to win someone over asking questions, as Virginia said, is an incredible way to engage them and to get them thinking, not about your beliefs, but about their own beliefs. Mm-hmm. You're not going to change their mind. They're going to change their mind. Mm-hmm. So ask them questions and then give them things to think about. Like, did you know that a baby uh, at 15 weeks has a fully developed fingers and nose and, and a nervous system so that they can feel pain? Did you know that? And Making the baby, giving it humanity and then asking them questions. At, at what point do you think that baby doesn't have rights and and get them thinking about it so that they change their mind. Yeah. And I want to point listeners back to an interview that we did on the show last Tuesday with Megan Allman of Life Training Institute. And the whole reason why I wanted to have her on the show was to give us tools, practical tools for how we can have conversations with friends, with family members on this issue. Timing wise, it worked out well. Um, so feel free to, to go back and check that out if you're kind of thinking, okay, how do I actually go about 
breaching this subject with with friends who think very differently than me. Um, or maybe if you yourself are trying to figure out your own views and um, trying to figure out how you feel about life and abortion, it's a really great podcast. So um, be sure to go back and check that out. And we got some great clips up on our Instagram account, too, so you can check that out. And I want to let our listeners know that your feelings are valid, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Janae, I don't want to push back too much about what you said, but a lot of times, I mean, it, these people who are are blocking and talking back on social media aren't one-time acquaintances. I mean, I someone messaged me last night, a, a listener of the show, they lost a friend of 20 years because mm-hmm. they found out that they supported Trump. And I think we're so blessed here in D.C. that we have, I mean, we walk into Heritage and we have 300 pro life friends, right? And, I, and so that's why I just really want to take time to let our listeners know that, like, you are not alone and, and that Problematic Women is a safe space for you. And I'm glad you mentioned all those pro-life organizations. And it does seem a little intimidating of like, oh, here's this national organization. How do I join? But really just, I mean, start start following other organizations and, and start kind of like with your with your friends who might not be political, like just maybe hinted the subject like, hey, have you heard about the Supreme Court news? Because you probably will find, like you mentioned, most people support protecting life. You will probably will find a lot of the people who you think are non-political actually agree with you. Yeah. So, um but that's a really good point to make. I'm so glad that you said that too cuz you're I don't I don't want to diminish that at all. I mean, they it, it hurts. Honestly, even if it is someone that I haven't talked to decades from now. It's not fun mm-hmm. getting that message. Mm-hmm. It could be someone really close. It could be someone I barely know. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes that. Um, so you're absolutely right. Um, and, and and yeah, I, I think that joining these organizations like, okay, like, oh, it's just another email in my inbox. Like, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want that for you guys either. Um, but as much as uh, our online presence and social media, I could talk about the pros and cons of that all day. That's a different podcast. <laughs> Even though there are so many negative sides of it, you can actually make some great friendships and connect with people mm-hmm. that you then meet in real life. And and a lot of these organizations have local chapters and groups mm-hmm. that get together and, and meet and do fun things. And I would encourage you to do that as well. Or as, as Lauren said, I think there are a lot of closet conservatives <laughs> that are afraid to talk about it. That's why I'm always encouraging people to speak out and to be bold, because a lot of times if I post something, I'll get negative responses. But I also get people that are like, oh, thank you so much. I think the same thing. (laughs) I did it like I didn't know. Thank you. And so you'll you'll hopefully have people come out that offer you some support, too. And maybe you'll make a new friend. Making new friends. Always a great place to put a pause on it. We have more problematic women. But unfortunately, Janae has to leave us. But thank you so much for joining us today. Janae, it's really been fun. Thank you for having me. Stay tuned because up next we have an exclusive Problematic Women of the Week interview. Exclusive. It's easy to get overwhelmed by the 24-7 news cycle. So if you're looking for a way to keep up with the news that matters, the Daily Signal podcast brings you the top news of the day. Hosts Doug Blair, Rob Bluey, and me, Virginia Allen, bring you headlines and interviews with lawmakers, authors, and conservative activists. If you're a conservative who wants to be on top of the news, check out the Daily Signal podcast available every weekday morning. It is now that time, my favorite time of the week, time to crown our problematic woman of the week. And the crown goes to Katrina Fee. Katrina is a senior in Catholic University, and when the news came down Monday night about the Supreme Court leak, 
all of us were surprised, but what Katrina did, I think it's just so awesome. She knew that she was really close to the Supreme Court, so she texted a group of friends. She headed over to the Supreme Court. She got a big reaction from some of the other <laughs> people there. So we did an interview with Katrina. Let's listen. I have on the line with me Katrina Fee. Welcome to a Problematic Woman, Katrina. Thank you so much for having me. So Monday night when the world was going crazy, you went to the Supreme Court. So can you walk me through what your night looked like when you heard the news and kind of what drove you to go where all the craziness was? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I was studying for my finals uh, when I checked Twitter and um, saw the news that the opinion had been leaked. Um, And at first I was shocked. I I didn't fully believe it. Um, I was like, surely this must be this must be fake Um, because Roe is so ingrained in our society. It's all we've ever known. Um, so truly, truly shocking um, uh, that it would be overruled and also truly shocking in the manner in which it was this news was broken to the American people. Um, so after that had kind of set in, um, I said to a few of my friends, I said, let's go to the court. This is this is history. Um, and we happened to be going to school 10 minutes away from the Supreme Court of the United States. Heck, why not? Um, so six of us and me, uh, so seven of us total, um, uh, that are part of our Young Americans for Freedom chapter at Catholic University, uh, we drove down to the court, um, with some pro-life signs that we had, um, from the March for Life a few months ago, and we decided to, we stood quietly, peacefully, um, in front of the court because, and it's, the reason why we did that was because. The mainstream media is more than happy to keep the pro-life movement out of their reporting. They're more than happy to report on, you know, the unruly protesters that were in front of the court that night um, and just keep keep our side out of it, especially the fact that there are so many young people my age that are pro-life. Um, so we're, we were standing there in front of the court. Um, so when AP and all of those big news outlets um, are t- getting their, their footage for the news cycle, that there are pro-life signs there, mm-hmm. that they can't completely cut us out of the narrative. Um, and that, that was really valuable because uh, millions of Americans are, you know, were reading the news the next day um, and they saw pictures of uh, Catholic University students with pro-life signs and silently pray- praying their rosary while the other side screamed in our face and shouted expletives. And I think that is a really powerful um, message and a powerful image. No, and I definitely want to get to the reaction once you get to the Supreme Court. But you are a senior at Catholic University. What do you think this says about your friend group and your peers at Catholic that it was so easy to get this group together? And can you tell me a little bit about your peers that went? Absolutely. Um, so our Young Americans for Freedom chapter here at CUA has been super active. I've had the um, pleasure of leading the chapter for the past year. Um, and we, we definitely have a great group of people who are deeply passionate about protecting the unborn here at CUA. Um, our university has come out and advertised as 100% pro-life. And um so we're definitely we're definitely a campus that is uh, supportive of protecting the rights of the unborn. 
Um, so when given the opportunity to, you know, mobilize and go, go advocate um, in this way, really a very small thing that we could do, um, there was no question. That's awesome. That's so cool. And it's so cool that you go to college, which yeah. is, you know, a quick drive over. Um, you can almost exactly. see from the top of Heritage, you can almost see Catholic and Heritage is right next to uh, the Supreme Court. That, so that, that's exactly. Yes. Like, so like, like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> that's the point. Like, we're, we're, we're 10 minutes away. You know, this is truly an historic moment that I'm sure I'll be telling, you know, my grandkids about. And mm-hmm. heck, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to get back to actually in front of the Supreme Court. And it was fairly late at night. It was 9, 10, 11, probably a little bit before midnight. I mean, were you scared? What was your your feeling as as people were yelling obscenities for, and you were just standing there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like I said, there were um, seven of us that we went together, and then we also met up with a few other CUA students um, that were there. So I think there were about like 12 of us total, um, and we were all standing together uh, praying the rosary. And there, we were surrounded on all sides by people from the other side of the issue. Uh, and they were, you know, they were trying to block our signs from cameras, mm-hmm. particularly. Um, they were yelling at, like, news cameras that were filming. I know the Daily Signal was there filming. Um, and they were, they were yelling at them, uh, saying, like, why are you filming these people? Um, all sorts of expletives in our face. Um, behind us for like, oh, I wish it was legal to like beat them up. Um, so I took that as a cue to that it was time to leave um, because uh, the safety of uh, myself and my friends was obviously the most important thing. Uh, but yeah, it was really scary. <laughs> I was shaking for a good bit. Um, but yeah, thank God we were able to get out of there safely. But it definitely... It was really powerful, I mm. think, and accurate image of what this divide looks like. One side is bitter and angry about the fact that millions of children are going to have a shot at life in America if Roe is indeed struck down. Um, and we were standing there peacefully, silently, um, praying in prayer um, for the future of our country and for the safety of the justices of the court. And, uh, yeah, they were mocking us, mocking, um, mocking, praying, and all sorts of really, really um, horrible things. So and I, I really hope that Americans will see the videos, the pictures of that, um, and decide for themselves which side of history they want to be on. It truly is disgusting, and too, especially from the left who— doesn't believe in prayer and always says, oh, we don't want your thoughts and prayers. And then when you're showing up to pray, they want to stop you. So it it shows that they know that there is something special going on. And I'm so grateful for you, Katrina, that you were there and you made yourself and and your viewpoint known. It's so important. And I really encourage all of our listeners to be like Katrina, stand up, even when it is scary, because that's the only way. There are more pro-life people out there than pro-abortion, but we have to make ourselves known. And that's the only way we're going to win this issue. Absolutely. And the the mainstream media, they they will go out of their way to not report and to cut us out of the narrative. So we 
um, now more than ever, we have to show up, stand up, and say, "Hey, you can, you can you can try to cover my sign, but you can't silence my my voice. You can't uh, quell this movement." And um, yeah, there's never been a never been a better time for my generation to um, use their voice and to speak out to protect the unborn. Katrina, you are very problematic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, that leads into my last question. Do you have any plans of going back to the Supreme Court? Um, well, I do have a final exam tonight. <laughs> so, uh, I do. I think I have to do that, um, get that done first. But hopefully the court will officially announce um, that Roe is overturned. And if and when they do that, um, I absolutely, you can find me out there again, because like I said, the same, um, the same holds true. Um, the pro-life, pro-life students, particularly young pro-lifers, uh, we need to be at the front of this and we need to show Americans that, hey, don't buy this narrative that there are no pro-lifers, that, you know, the next generation is all super leftist and believes that abortion should be available on demand through all nine nine months of a pregnancy. No, that is not the case. We're here. We we exist. We believe that the unborn deserves legal protection under the law. And um, the only way to get that message across to millions of Americans is to stand in front of the court. Mm. I love it. Thank you, Katrina, for what you did and for taking time. I will definitely let you get back to study for your exam. Best of luck on that, by the way. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you talking to me. Love that, Lauren. Thank you so much for talking to Katrina. It's awesome to see young women who are taking a stand and letting their pro-life views be known, even when obviously, um, as we've talked about, they're they're getting some some hate right now. So, so cool to see a young woman, a young college student standing up. Katrina, way to go to everyone else who has been standing up. Way to go. Love that you're sharing your pro-life views in public. But that is going to be it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world, and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Have a great week, and happy Mother's Day to all of our moms out there. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. And be sure to follow Problematic Women on Instagram. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.